29 through 34. Stand when you find it for the reading of God's word. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Thank you, and you may be seated, Pastor. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Amen. <laughs> well, Brother Bob's awake, so that's good. This is going to be a rough one today. Well, we'll try. All right. So let's take just a moment, get ready, and pray right where you're at, and I'll close us up here in just a moment. Well, Father, thank you so much for a great week this week. Thank you for all that you've done. And uh, just wonderful to see your hand and see you work through your word and work in people's lives and hearts. We thank you for that. And here we are again on your day, the Lord's Day, and assembled here this morning. And Father, we're, uh, Lord, getting ready to open your word and, and uh, preach here in a little bit. And we just ask you, Father, that you would help, that you would... Uh, Lord, help us to be attentive, help us to be alert. And Lord, help us to be intentional about why we're here and, and what you have for us. And, and, uh, and Lord, that we'd be ready, Lord, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Would you help us in that? And uh, we just pray maybe there's somebody here today, maybe there's somebody watching online that needs to be saved and that we ask your Holy Spirit to draw them again. And, and uh, Lord, that they would call upon you today. We ask you to do that work. We lift up those that aren't here that are on uh, beds of affliction. They're just they're sick and in hospitals and other problems that way. Father, we just pray that you would uh, encourage them today and help them. And Lord, that you'd heal their bodies and bring them bring them back to us uh, quickly, Lord. And we ask you to do that work. And we're looking forward to what you have for us today. 
We thank you for it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand one more time before the pastor comes. And let's turn to page 98. Page 98. We'll sing the first, second, and the fifth. You had enough, Martin. You had enough. 
Yes, tonight after the evening service, we're going to have a little ice cream fellowship. We have a bunch of uh, Andy's custard left over, and uh, about 56 to be exact, or less. And so that is about three each. So there you go, Martin. If you bring your own toppings, you can make your own concrete. So uh, there you go. So we're looking forward to that after the evening service. Hopefully you can... Stick around afterward and uh, get loaded up on sugar and then go home and try to go to bed. That'll be great. So We have coffee machine back there, too, so you can have coffee and ice cream. That'd be nice. But All right, we are in Matthew chapter number 20. Uh, I've been in Matthew, as you know, on, on Sunday evenings, and uh, this message here, I just wanted to switch things around and, and preach uh, my Matthew message in the morning. You know, I do that every once in a while, and... Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back to Ephesians, maybe, to Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. And so we're looking, looking forward to, to that, getting back there. But uh, Matthew chapter 20, I, say, I hope I didn't say 19. Matthew chapter 20, Brother Jim read our text already, and we're moving along here. And you know, I, it, might, it may sound a little bit morbid, but I was uh, reading and looking up on and some of the, uh, there's articles and many articles written about the last 24 hours in the life of a man condemned to die. Uh, they're in prison, they're on their way to whether it is an electric chair or a gas chamber, or whether it is a, uh, um, uh, uh, a lethal injection. I don't know, I, I think Utah used to do firing squad still. I don't know if they still do that, and there's a couple options out there I've heard. But uh, the, last, the last 24 hours of that individual's life is uh, it's kind of numbing to read, but I mean, you, they're moved to a cell. If it's a if it's a, a gas chamber, if or sometimes if it's a lethal injection, they're moved to a cell that's in that area right next to where all of this is going to take place. They'll go from the cell that they were in. They go to the new cell. Uh, they are they are then allotted some time for visitors, whether it's what the paper of what an article would call clergy, or whether it's family. Usually, the lawyer will show up one last time to get one last bit of money out of them as, as they can. And, and anyway, that was a bad joke. But uh, it's not too far from the truth. But uh, they, they allot this time to the visitors. And, um, and then they'll get their famous last meal. We all heard about, we've heard about the last meal, and some are pretty outrageous, and some are pretty simple. I wrote one of them down, Richard Cooey, I guess his last name was. 1986, he was on his way to, to the death row. His last meal was a T-bone steak. Hash browns, French fries, four eggs over easy. That would that right there would be tough to get through. Although I like eggs over medium. Onion rings, four pieces of toast, Rocky Road ice cream, Mountain Dew, and a bear claw. This is, Martin's like, now that sounds great. That sounds like a good lunch right there, and a bear claw <laughs> snack. And uh, he had a pretty big. The biggest one that was ever uh, th- that was ever done was uh, I mean, it just went on and on and on. And then he ended up just not eating it. And, of course, they started to make rules. Okay, you'll, you can only pick so much, okay? But uh, there was another man in 1939, Joan Arity. The only thing that he asked for his last meals is he had ice cream at breakfast, ice cream at lunch, and ice cream for supper. Now, <laughs> my wife's like, I'd go to the electric chair for that. That is great, absolutely. And... Uh, so they bring him into this area, they get, their, they get to the cell, they get their last meal, they get a new change of clothes. A lot of prisons will give them a brand new change of clothes. They will make them put on a diaper and they'll prepare for the procedure. 
whether it is a chamber, whether it's lethal injection, the last 24 hours of a condemned man or woman's life is totally focused on them. It's totally focused on them. Think about it. The clock's running out. I mean, they, they're, they're staring at the room where they're about to die in less than 24 hours. They're probably not trading stocks online. They're probably not worried about the last letter from the IRS. They're probably not concerned about that, right? They're probably not concerned that his old cellmate has the flu. He's probably not concerned about that at all. See, what I'm saying here is is he is headed to death, and the most of what remains is not that important to him. He's headed to die. Well, if we look at Matthew chapter 20... Jesus has been teaching. He has been preparing. He spent, much, he spent much of his time around Galilee. And now he's headed his way south. He went from Galilee to Decapolis, out of those eastern areas past, uh, past the, uh, the Golan Heights and that area. He's headed south now. And uh, he's moving further. And, 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 and he comes to here in chapter 20. He comes to the area of Jericho. He's been teaching his disciples. He's been preparing them for his leaving. He's been teaching parables. And we see here that as he's fixing to leave uh, Jericho, the only thing left between uh, after Jericho is, is Bethany, and then after Bethany comes Jerusalem. Watch this. Jesus is headed to an appointment that was scheduled before time. Jesus is on his way to Calvary. And that is his whole purpose of why he's going. John 3, 14, the Bible says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus himself said in John 12, 32, he said, And I, if I be lifted up, speaking of the crucifixion, lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. In Revelation 13, the Bible says that he speaks of the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Watch this. Jesus is headed to Calvary. He's headed to his Father's will. Well, what's his Father's will? Well, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What, the, what is his Father's will? Over in Ezekiel, where, where, he, said, where he says, I'm not willing. I, 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 he says, where I find no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Turn ye, turn ye. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to uh, come to repentance. And here's one for the Calvinist. He says that he is a propitiation for, for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sin of the whole world. I like that one. And Jesus had an appointment with, before time with Calvary. It was the will of his Father. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lord hath laid upon him. Him, the iniquity of us all. We see this most astounding, astounding passage in Isaiah 53 and verse 10, where I cannot comprehend this. If you have a son, if you have a child, you cannot comprehend when the Lord said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Father 
to bruise his son. It pleased when Jesus hung on the cross and in the garden, you can go back to the garden. He said, not my will, Father, but, but thine be done. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And, and from eternity past to eternity future, the Father and the Son had never been separated. And there Jesus hung on Calvary. And at one point he finally says, I thirst. I thirst. Oh, he asked for the cup. He was ready for the cup. What was it? It was the wrath of his father. It was the wrath of God falling upon Jesus Christ, falling upon his own son. Why? So you and I could go free. That's why he did it. That is the only reason he came was for you and I. And it pleased the father to bruise his son. I'm telling you what, Jesus is headed to Calvary. He is, he is as, as said back in the Old Testament, uh, attributed to, to, to the Lord Jesus. His eyes, his head was, his eyes were set as a flint. He was headed to the crucifixion. Why? Why would he do this? Well, if you're here and you don't know, if you're watching online and you don't know, it's because Adam sinned. It's because the representative head of all mankind, Adam, uh, listened to his wife who listened to the serpent and they took of what they were not to be taken and they sinned and sin came into the world and the Bible says Acts 12, uh, 5, 12 uh, Acts 5 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin and also and so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. We have all sinned because Adam sinned. We are all born in sin. Uh, uh, we have been separated from God. Our spirit, His spirit died that day. And we were born with a dead spirit, every one of us. It is separate from God. We cannot have fellowship with God. We cannot have communion with God. We cannot, be, we cannot have a relationship with God. We have been born with a dead spirit. I was, we were out on visitation two weeks ago. And this uh, one of the last houses I got to... Uh, knocked the door on. The lady came and we had a nice conversation. She had her own ideas of God and I tried to steer her back to the Word of God. And uh, at one point I finally asked her, I finally told her, I said, you know what? If you're honest with yourself, deep in the recesses of your soul, you have a desire and a longing for someone. And it's there and you're trying to figure out how to fill it. And she nodded her, her head yes. And I said, the person is Jesus Christ. That's what you, that, is what, that is the only person who can fill what you're looking for. And when you know it, the door opens, the husband comes out, Are you out here? Well, there go, you know, Satan, Satan loves that. But let me tell you, the gospel was there. The gospel is there. Listen, it is, we, we, we long, we don't understand it all the time, but some people spend their entire life trying to find that thing that fills what is missing. And, and we just tell them over and again, it's Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that, 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 man, they, that they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And they say, I don't, want Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I don't want Him. I don't want Him. And they don't many times. But listen, God wants us back. God wants us he wanted us, and the only way back, why? The only way back was for sin to be paid for. That's the only way back. That's the only way you're coming back. It had to be paid for. There had to be an atonement. There had to be a payment for sin. And oh, we find out in Hebrews 9.22, for the sh without shedding of blood is no remission. Leviticus 17.17, 17, the, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and he's given, it, uh, he's given it just upon the altar to make an atonement for sin. Blood had to be shed. But it wasn't, your, it wasn't my blood. It wasn't your blood. 
It wasn't anybody that had Adam's blood. It wasn't an animal. Hebrews tells us the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sins forever. Somebody had to pay the debt. The wages of sin are death, right? Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go. Amen? Jesus said, I will go. No, we can't pay for our own sin. And Jesus said he would. So what God did, we know what he did, right? Put on human flesh. Was born of a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Lived a perfect life. Lived exactly, lived the law. He said, I didn't come to end the law. I came to fulfill it. Oh, he fulfilled it. (laughs) Amen. He was the Messiah. He was it. He was the sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And he's on his way in our text here in chapter 20. He is on his way with his appointment, with his execution. And nothing is stopping him from, from going to Calvary. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot that stops us in serving God, isn't there? I am, listen, I know this can get so cliched. I don't want it to be a cliche. But I'm so glad that nothing stopped Jesus from going to Calvary. We'd be of all men most miserable. We'd have no hope. We'd, we'd have absolutely no hope. And here he is going to Calvary. Now if you look at our text today in verse 20, he is on his way. Verse 29, as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And here he is on his way to Calvary. He's getting ever closer, leaving Jericho. Next is Bethany. Next comes Jerusalem when he goes there for his only purpose to die. And as he's going there, you think about that the multitudes are are, are following him. The the disciples are all around him. Think of the clattering, the chattering, the the, the questions that are going on as he walks down the road. The, the, The discussions that may be going on on the side. The things that Jesus maybe is turning around and answering and talking. I mean... There's a great multitude. I don't think it was just this quiet little somber thing as they're trekking up to Jerusalem, right? He's been teaching them all along the way. And while he is teaching, these blind men on the side of the road, are, it seems like they've had to ask somebody, what's going on? What is all the commotion? What's happening? And somebody had to tell them uh, that, that, what was, that, that Jesus was passing by. Look at this, verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. Look at when they heard that Jesus passed by. Obviously, come on. They're not seeing it, right? <laughs> Somebody had to tell them what was all the commotion was. Somebody had to tell them what all the fanfare was, what all the chattering was. They said, oh, it's Jesus. It's who? Oh, it's, it's Jesus. Well, they knew who he was. What did they do? They immediately began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. I love that. They knew who he was. They appealed to his ability. They appealed to his power. They called him Lord. They appealed to his, his the lack of a better word, his, his authenticity. He was, he was of the lineage of David. He is the Messiah. He was the Messiah. And these two blind men are saying they're in a complete agreement with the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou son of David, Jesus, thou son of David, they're crying out, Jesus, Jesus, Hey, Jesus, hey, right? Son of David, right? And I love this. They can't see him. They can't run to him. 
All they can do is cry out to him. I love that song, He Came to Me. When I could not go to where he was, he came to me. And we can't, we can't approach God. We have no way to approach God without the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to us. Listen, he sought us. He pursued you and I. His eyes were on us before ours were ever on him. Listen, he is ever pursuing us. He is ever coming after us. And all they could do was cry out. He was in the vicinity and they cried out, have mercy on us. Look at verse 31. The people said, would you zip it? Quit hollering, right? And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. I like this. But they cried out the more. (laughs) They cried out the more saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. I tell you what, when you really come to the understanding of your condition before God, Nothing, and you come to the belief and understand that only He can fix it. Friend, there'll be nothing that'll stop you getting to Him, trying to get to Him. Yeah. They wanted Him. They knew that was their only hope. They knew it was their only hope. Have mercy. Have mercy on us. And as the people are telling them to be quiet, as they're getting louder and louder, yelling for Jesus, yeah, I love verse 32. And Jesus stood still. (laughs) Their cry caused him to stop. I love it. Every genuine call to God causes God to stop. Hey, can I remind you, he's on his way to Calvary. He's going to Calvary. Nothing is going to stop him from getting to Calvary. And on his way to Calvary, he stopped. He stood still, the Bible said. He heard their cry. Yeah. And he stopped. In the midst of the commotion, in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the questions, he heard that cry piercing through the crowd. Yeah. And he came to, and he stopped. Look what it says. And Jesus stood still, and he called to them. Can I tell you this morning, the little tract, Brother Davidson was the one who prodded me for that tract, one of the tracts, the little cards we have. It says, God knows. We were preaching, I think it was back in Matthew 7, where, when we were, and I preached that message, God knows and God cares. That's, that's how that came on that little, little card we have. God knows and God cares. And because God knows and because God cares, God hears. He hears. I'm so thankful for the ears of God. Yeah. He heard the cries of the children of Israel. And he, he came. <clears throat> he heard the cry of little, little Ishmael, who God said he's going to be a wild man. He's going to be against the world. The world's going to be against him. But he heard the cry of little Ishmael when Hagar was run out of Abraham's home. He heard the cry in the prayer of Elijah. We just saw that in Sunday school when he came up to the prophets of Baal. He heard the, he heard the prayer of Elijah. He heard the prayer of Asa when the Ethiopians had invaded Judah. Listen, he hears the cry of every sinner that cries out to him, looking to him alone for the help and for salvation. Psalm said, Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon, he said, I will pray and cry aloud. Listen, listen to this. And he shall hear my voice. He was absolutely certain of that. I tell you what, it will help your prayer life when you are convinced 
and you know and are confident that God hears, that God hears. And I have to add this, not only does He hear, but He delights to hear. He wants to. He wants to. Jesus calls over and asks them their need. Hey, what do you want me to do to you? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah. Can I tell you this? Somebody, only somebody who is capable of actually helping will really, with, with sincerity, ask, what do you want me to do? If we look at a situation and we know, you might like kind of turn and walk away from that one kind of quietly. <laughs> Please don't ask, right? Like when somebody says, we're moving next week. Oh, wow, that's... Whew. Where's the door? I got to get out of here. You know, <laughs> yeah. Especially if you have a truck and a trailer, you're like, "Ooh, get out of here." They know what I got. <laughs> I'm just not willing. I'm glad he's willing. Amen. Yeah. See, Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that can fulfill all of our needs. He's the only one who is capable. He's the only one who has the ability. He's the only one who is willing and desires to. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. He said, without me, ye can do nothing. And so here, look, he asked these men, what will ye that I shall do unto you? And here's this specific request, verse 33. We're blind, obviously. And we just want to see. We're blind and we want to see. I love verse 34. Do you see these first four words here? So, Jesus had compassion. Listen, when they poured out their need to Jesus, He had compassion. Well, I'm glad for that too, aren't you? Amen. Amen. Sin did this. The curse, no, not their parent didn't sin. I'm not saying that. But it's the curse. The curse of sin brought this in. The fall of Adam brought it on. They, they didn't do any, it wasn't them. They didn't bring on their blindness. Hey, Jesus created everything and when He created it, He said it was very good. And now these men are living in a world they can't see. It's a struggle to live. No welfare state. Government's not come along. There's no foundation for the blind that is helping them out, I'm sure. I'm sure Jesus could hear the desperation of their voice sitting on the roadside begging, hoping to make a living. And he had compassion. Psalm 145, I found this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great Mercy. Isaiah 49, 15, uh, God is telling Israel, can a, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget thee, God said. Oh, I love that. Jesus had compassion. What did he do? He just went over and just healed them. No big deal. Touched their eyes. Yeah. Friend, I don't care what your problem is. It is not a problem to Jesus. It is not at all. Yeah. It says, the Bible says, immediately they were healed. They could see. And I want to show you the most natural thing that should follow somebody who has been touched by God. They follow Him. I mean, who else are you going to follow? Right? 
Right? Remember we asked Peter, the, the disciples, will you go away also? He said, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of life. Amen. They followed the Lord Jesus. I tell you, one of the greatest, I think probably one of the greatest times in, in the ministry of John the Baptist, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in, the, in following that, it says, And some of his disciples fought, left John and followed Jesus. Mission accomplished. John's mission was fulfilled. That was the reason and why he came, was to point people and pave the way to the Messiah. They followed him. I want to show you this here. There is a simple outline in these few verses, five verses, that is a simple outline of the steps of salvation. How somebody comes to Christ. How you and I came to Christ, if you're in Christ today. If you notice here, Jesus came by. He is the good news. He is the gospel. When the gospel is preached, every time you preach the gospel, listen, Jesus is coming by. He's coming by that house. He's coming by that, that bus you're riding in, that plane you're flying on, that restaurant you're at. He, when you give the gospel, Jesus is coming by. And when, they begin, when we begin to understand and see who we are against who He is, we begin to believe and agree with God of who He is and who we are. We, we come to the place of realizing that we're blind that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that we are separate from God, and it is our sin by nature and by choice that has separated us from God. And what do we do? We cry out for mercy. Hey, do you remember the day that you cried out to God? That you personally, one-on-one, between you and God alone, you went to God, and, and I don't know what the words are, I don't care what the words are, but in one way or another, your heart cried out to God, and essentially what you were said was, you are right and I am wrong, and the only the way I am going to be right is if you, you, what you did is applied to my account, and I Amen. want that. That's what you did. Amen. That's what you did. Yeah. You cried for mercy. You called out for mercy. I remember I, I said, God, I, I, I repent. I repent. I, I, I know I'm lost in the depths of my soul. I know I am lost without Christ. <clears throat> Here he comes. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. I like this though. He stopped. He's going to his, 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 he's on his way to the will of his father. He is going to accomplish his will. It was, it was settled from the foundation of the world and he stopped for two blind men among the, among the multitudes, just two guys sitting by the side of the road, insignificant in the world's eyes. He stopped. Great reminder today, friend, None of us are too insignificant for God. Yeah. Why did he stop? Well, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Jesus called. What do you want? It was a cry for healing. It was a per- Watch, they had a personal cry. They had a personal cry. I'm so glad we have a personal God. God doesn't, hey listen, God doesn't deal in the generalities and just like, like all of the religions of the world, they're just generalities. God is a personal God. He's interested in you and He's interested in every aspect in every point of your life. They knew their condition, they knew their need, they knew that only God could heal 
and Jesus healed them. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 6, 37, he says, And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And here it is, they followed him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here it is, the gospel. The outline, the outline of somebody who comes to Christ. It's how we all came. If you came to Christ, you came that way. About four years ago, there was a, a world championship for, uh, for athletics, an IAAF world championship over in, uh, uh, over in uh, Khalifa, Qatar. And at one of those events, it was a running event. It was the men's 5,000 meter. Now, I would never enter that. I'd just probably rather shoot myself than run 5,000 meters. But uh, be less painful, I'm sure. Because if you look at me, I'm not much of a runner. But anyway, I'm, I know you're shocked, but I'm not. And among the runners was a man from Guinea-Bissau. And then there was another man from Aruba. And on this event, the 5,000 meter run, it had been an exceptionally hot time uh, there in Qatar, which I think every day is probably exceptionally hot in Qatar. And, uh, but it was pretty bad. But what, what they had to do in this arena, it was, over, it was well over 100 degrees. It was well over 100 degrees in the arena. But when the running events come, they shut the air conditioners off so there's not any interference by the blowing of the air conditioners and things like that. And it was hot. And, and so here they are running around this, this, this track, this 5,000-meter run. And this, this man by the name of Brahma Dabo of Guinea-Bissau right, was headed for the finish line. And he noticed to his side that Jonathan Busby of Aruba had fallen. He's headed to the finish line and he notices this man falls. And while full speed in his race, Dabo, the last name of Dabo, stopped running and he went to help Busby get up. And Dabo and Busby held on to each other as they both walked across the finish line. The man from Guinea-Bissau forfeited his race, per se, to help somebody who had fallen along the way. His eyes were on the finish line. His goal was to finish. Right? And he stopped and took care of somebody else. Jesus was on the way to Calvary. I'm thankful that Jesus can stop and still make it to Calvary, aren't you? Amen. The multitudes were all around him. He's headed on. Nothing was going to stop him from going to Calvary except for the cry of two blind men. And it wasn't totally going to stop him, but he stopped. And he had compassion on them. Yeah. He stood still, the Bible says on his way to completing his father's will. Why would he do that? Because actually, his stopping and standing still is really the very reason why he's going to Calvary. To seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. Can I tell you this morning, and I'll be done, Jesus is still standing today. He has accomplished redemption. He, is, he has paid.
death. The atonement has been satisfied. But He is still stopping everywhere where people are crying out and responding with compassion to those that are calling upon Him. He still hears the cries of fallen men. He still has compassion for the lost. He's still calling the blind, the halt, and the maim. He's still calling them in. What do you want? What would you like me to do? He's still calling those out that have come to Him, that recognize that they're lost and without Christ. And He's saying, what do you want? And as they call back, they say, I want to be saved. I want to be whole. I want to be right. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be right with you. And He touches them every time. Every time. No, He hasn't picked some out to touch and some not to touch. There's the doctrine of devils. Whosoever will. I don't know if you're here today, if you're lost today. Only God knows your heart. We could look around and say, certainly nobody in here is lost. I don't know. God does. You could be watching online today. And I just want to remind you this morning. I want to give you a little good news this morning. The moment you call out to Him, He'll stop. He'll stand and He'll ask you what you want. And He'll heal. He can heal your life. And listen, unlike what goes on at these other places around us, they don't come back. This spiritual healing is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. But there's somebody else, something else I want to ask you. What about those of us who are born again? We are saved. God has touched us. We've been healed. We have been born again. We have been saved. We called upon the Lord Jesus for our salvation and He has saved us. Yeah. You know, we, we have a will of our Father as well, don't we? We've all been called to be, what, ambassadors for Christ. We've all been called to go out in the highways, hedges, compel them to come in. Jesus gave the, the great commission to the church, His church, to, 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 to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that commission, the onus of the gospel, is laid upon us. We are all living there. And we have a will of God. And, and God's will for your life, I mean, maybe uh, it, it, the, some of the... The specifics of your will, what God has in your life and in my life may look a little bit different, but the end goal, the, 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 the destination is all the same. It's, it is the calling of the lost and, and bringing Jesus to people, Christ, and preaching the gospel. It's the same for all of us. We have a will of God for our life, and we are all walking on our road that God has called us to walk, where you work and where you live and where, where you give and where you obey and how we glorify Him in our life. We, we have a road that God has called us to. And although we may be moving forward in God's will for our life, we should always be ready to stop and stand still and give an answer of the hope which lieth within us. Yeah. Always ready to stop your race. To just take a stop and, you know, you're going to finish. Right? Sometimes, listen, sometimes we get our minds so set on the goal of heaven, 
We, don't, we, we just quit stopping along the way and helping those that are crying out for help. We're just looking at our own selfishness. Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Why? Well, if we're honest, let's be honest. You know, somebody, you know why so many people are looking for the, the, the upper taker? You know why? Because they got bills and they're in hawk up to their eyeball and they're just thinking about, I, I can't wait for Jesus and, I, and my bills will be gone. And, oh boy, that, what a great reason to see him, huh? Yeah. No, sometimes we get so just tunnel visioned on eternity and we forget why, why we're even left here, right, to, 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 to do exactly what Jesus has done. Isn't this why we're running the race in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So let's do this. Let's not live our lives focused on self. That is one thing Jesus never did. Never. Let's not live our lives focused on self. And may God help us to always be ready to stand still with compassion to offer Christ to a broken world. May God help us to do that. Friend, they're all around crying. Yeah. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes when you, when you get too tunnel visioned on your own life and going home, you, you don't pick up the crying sometimes. Kind of tune it out. Jesus stood still. He stopped. He stopped what he was doing. And he went back. And he did to those men exactly, exactly what he came to do. Let's make sure that marks our life as well. Our Father, thank you this morning for those little words that Jesus stood still. Stood still. Thank you for that. Every one of us in here is born again to the Spirit of God, knows the day that the Lord Jesus stood still in their life and came to them and touched them and healed them, saved them. Father, would you help us and renew in us that same compassion? Would you renew in us the ears of Jesus who hears the cries? Would you renew in us that desire as we're going along in your will and what you have us to do in our life that our ears would constantly be open to the cries of those that need you. Father, if it be there's somebody here today in, in, our, in our assembly or they're watching online who have not been born again, Lord, would you draw them by the Holy Spirit that today they might get saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning? The instrument's going to play. However the Lord has spoken to you today. Are your ears open to the lost around you? Or have you gotten so tunnel visioned on what God has given you to do that you've turned, turned off the cries that are around you? Are you a soul winner? Are, you constantly, are we constantly looking out around us waiting and just ready for those that are crying out? Yeah. Are we too busy? No, even busy on good stuff. Even busy on, on what God has called us to do. I'm not saying you're busy on bad stuff and 
just out in the world and living it up. I'm not saying that at all. Sometimes, though, we get busy on good stuff. We get busy in the will of God. Quote, will of God. And we forget part of the will of God is that we hear the cries of those that are around us. If you're here today and you're not born again, would you come? You have people trained in the Bible. We can show you how you can know for certain that your sins are forgiven and you can be one with God. You can be restored and redeemed back to your Creator. Let's be uh, closing a word of prayer here this morning and uh, get home, get you a good nap or buy a nap, whatever you got to do. If you need to know how to buy a nap, I'll tell you later. You can come ask me. So good to see everybody out today. Pray for the pray for Barbara. She's still up at Barnes. Uh, I've got some updates here. I'll give you later uh, this evening. And uh, this uh, bunch of testing and things going on and certain procedures are going to be what they're working on. So do. Do uh, continue to be in prayer for her and for Jack and all the boy up and back to St. Louis and such. So uh, just remember them if you would. Okay, let's be closed in a word of prayer this morning. Brother Chris, would you close us, please?